Hey everyone, this is Nate Dancer with Pure Life Ministries. You're about to hear part of our weekly podcast, Purity for Life. Hope you enjoy. In this segment, Pastor Steve Gallagher teaches us about true biblical worship, which is essential for anyone seeking to overcome sexual addiction through a vibrant life in Christ. I'm joined in the studio today by Steve Gallagher. Pastor Steve Gallagher is founder and president of Pure Life. It's always good to have you here in the studio. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here with you, Jim. We're talking today about the role that worship plays in the life of a man seeking freedom from sexual sin. We have chapel services, usually twice a week here on campus, and we have seen the great value that can be derived from spirit-led services where God really shows up. In much of the evangelical church today, worship is about style of music that is offered, and churches have been fighting culture wars between contemporary and traditional worship styles for years. But what I'd like you to do for us today, Pastor, is to look past these superficial concerns and really bring us back to the meaning of worship and the attitude of the heart that makes our expressions of worship pleasing to God. So to get us started, why is worship such an important issue for those struggling with sexual sin? Well, Jim, when I thought about this question, I immediately thought about the opening of my book, Mm. At the Altar of Sexual Idolatry. And let me just read uh, the first few sentences here. Deeply embedded within the heart of man is a spiritual altar. Mm. Every human has the capacity, no, the need, to worship. The objects of that worship are the things or persons which have taken the preeminent position of importance in the person's life. Whatever they may be, they cast their looming shadow over all of the other aspects of his life. It is this position in the human heart that God demands to occupy. And then I go on to um, share, you know, the great commandment, as Jesus called it out of Deuteronomy 6, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then I go into talking about how People corrupt that, uh, that inward need for worship to worship idolatry, you know, different forms of idols, which, of course, this book is regarding sexual idolatry. So, you know, the basis of worship really manifests itself in how we uh, live our lives, what we are devoted to, and what we sing in church should be an outflow of what's going on in our heart throughout the week, you know, just in our daily life. It's not just go to church, sing some songs, and then go back to living a carnal, worldly life. It is an outflow of a love for God. Well, Pastor, take us to the Bible. How does the Bible describe or define worship? It's interesting that the Hebraic term and the Greek term for worship are so similar in what their meaning is. Uh, Shakah is the Hebrew term, and it means to bow down, to prostrate oneself, worship, obeisance, homage to royalty, or in reverence to God. And so you get the sense of not singing songs, but you get the sense of really humbling yourself with someone you consider to be greater than yourself. And the Greek kind of maintains the same idea, 
proscunio uh, means to bow down, to fall upon the knees, and touch one's forehead to the ground as an expression of profound reverence, mm. kneeling or prostration to show respect or make supplication. You know, and you get the same sense of coming to a, a person who you consider to be of much greater quality and character than yourself, and you are humbling yourself before that person. That's what the term worship really means. So tell me, how is our lifestyle a manifestation of worship? Well, you know, it's interesting that uh, one of the first times the word worship is used in the Bible is actually in the Ten Commandments. And the Lord starts immediately talking about, you shall not make any idols, and so on. You know, and then he says, you shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. Mm. Wow. I mean, what a statement. And so, you know, to serve the idols of the day was a lifestyle. It isn't just a matter of going and bowing down before an idol. You are identifying yourself with that religion. That affected every aspect of your life. If you're one of the um, Baal worshipers in Israel, you're going to be hanging out with Baal worshipers and doing the sorts of things that Baal worshipers do. If you are a worshiper of Jehovah, then you're going to be around the temple or around the tabernacle. That's where you're going to find yourself, and you're going to be with people who are devoted to the God that they serve. And so for us in American life, Worship is very much tied into what we are devoted to. The reality of worship comes forth in your daily life, and it shows forth in the way you live throughout the week. And so if you can go to church on Sunday and sing some songs, but if you aren't truly humbling yourself before God and walking with God, you are not a worshiper of the Lord. Pastor, I've read the Ten Commandments I don't know how many times, but when you read it just then, it really struck me that if you're not worshiping Yahweh your God, then you're a God-hater. It's funny because I had the same experience. As I read it and I finished out that fifth verse, and, and it talks about uh, him visiting in the iniquity you know, of the third and fourth generation on those who hate me. And that's how the Lord sees people who won't worship him. It really is a love or hate deal. One of the problems that we always see with the nation of Israel is while they're called to worship God, they constantly struggle with idolatry. So they would worship the Lord on his day and then be found in other uh, worship places, worshiping Baal and other gods at other times. But don't we really see that today? People who go to church on Sunday, but they're not really worshiping God. They're worshiping everything else but God. Yeah, I mean, and the Lord said through Isaiah to the people of his day, because this people draw near with their words 
And man, does that describe the American church today. We have a lot of big words about our Christian experience and so on, or, or commitment. But this is what he goes on to say, and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts from me. And their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Mm. You know, that is describing a f- the worship of a hypocrite. That's what that's describing is your mouth is saying one thing. You're putting out an image of being a certain type of person. You're communicating that. You're conveying that to everyone around you. You call yourself Christian, but you hold your heart back from me. That's what the Lord is saying. You withdraw your devotion to me. You're really, in your heart, devoted to other things. You're not devoted to me. And that's, man, you feel the pain in God's heart because he loves people. And he wants them to love him. And that's what Christianity is supposed to be all about. It's not just another form of religion. It is relationship with the Lord our God. And that relationship is proven in our affections, in our heart. So worship is about a loving God who wants us to love him in return. What would you say is the foundation of true worship? Well, Jesus defined it. And I love that he defines it to a pagan woman. <laughs> you know, he didn't tell the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. He didn't even tell his disciples. They were off in the city. He tells a Samaritan woman. And this woman had been married five times. I mean, she was not a very, not even a moral woman. And he said to her, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. He's saying that true worshipers are those who worship in spirit and truth. And so, by inference, that means there are those who aren't worshiping in the spirit. They're worshiping in the flesh. And they're not worshiping out of a sincere love for God. They're insincere, which is what we just talked about. So, you know, the foundation of true worship is... To come before God, as I said earlier, in humility with very much in your heart, you are bowing down before the Lord. You are uh, recognizing his superiority. You're recognizing your sinfulness, your fallen nature, your puniness, and you're coming before him in that kind of humility, and in that humility, you are in the spirit of worship. And that's what happens at Pure Life Ministries. We, we teach the men this, and, you know, they're coming in at varying degrees, but they're coming into maybe many of them the first time in their lives what it really means to open your mouth and sing songs, and even in between the songs, expressing expressing your love and your devotion to God. That 
is worship. It's not just a simple matter of singing some songs that you've grown accustomed to or you kind of like the tune or something. It is a matter of coming before God and expressing love and adoration and reverence for him. That's what true worship is really all about. I think you've given us a great foundation for worship and showing us why it's so valuable and how it helps men overcome their sexual sin. Thanks for coming in today. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, Jim. Thanks for listening. You can find Purity for Life on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or just go to our website at purelifeministries.org slash podcast. Mm-hmm.